Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Andy. Hi. Welcome to Crafty Ass Female. Okay, so listeners, today's going to be a little different because I'm going to pass the buck to Andy in a very short time to kind of intro herself. But from what I know, she's a graphic designer from Alabama. And I love that on your Instagram it says cuter than Office Depot. Like I'm obsessed with that little tagline because true, true, true. And I, I wanted you on the show and I was so into you because we had Lauren Hooper on the show who, and I, when I checked back in our archives, I, her show went live on May 10th. So like in the heart of like COVID times and what is this life we're living. And she talked to us about like how quarantines kind of changed, you know, plans she had. And she had planned for you to be um, like a teacher, I guess, or an instructor at her self-portrait radiant art retreat so she we talked to her about like these art retreats she does and you were on board to do these like you call them whimsical self-portraits so uh, when I kind of looked you up from there I was like so close to signing up for that art retreat because I was like obsessed with these whimsical self-portraits you do like I've I've been staring at your like some of them going like what did she do first how did you do that I really like I was just obsessed with them they're so great you know, so anyway, so that was my like draw and like inspiration from you. And so I wanted you on to kind of talk about them. But I love that we're going to also talk about your business, Dilly Daller, Dilly Dally Paper Company, Paper Co., whatever. So cute. So I'm going to pass it over to you and kind of like fill in the blanks of what I left out. And then we can go from there. Maybe your creative backstory, how you got to where you are today, all that good stuff. Okay, awesome. So it's funny that you mentioned the you know, cuter than Home Depot thing that's on our Instagram, because the short story behind that is one of my friends was here at the shop one night when we were working really late and we were working on coffee mugs. And I remember holding it up and I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. It's our first coffee mug. And she said, it's so much cuter than Home Depot or (laughs) Office Depot. And I was like, that is a great tagline for our (laughs) business. And it just kind of blossomed from there. Um, But anyways, a little bit about me. i grew up in Alabama and I was always the kid that was like, I'm creative and I'm going to move to Portland when I get out of college and I'm going to do all these awesome things. And, um, went to, you know, went to Tuscaloosa because I grew up in a roll tide family. And so if I didn't go there, then I was wrong. So I went there and loved it and studied advertising art, which is where I learned my graphic design. And then also studied oil painting, which is where my was whimsical portraits kind of blossomed from. Um, And, you know, whenever I got out of college, I did have this dream of like moving away and doing something fantastic that, you know, you can write home about, but we had some family things that were going on. And so it just made the most sense for me to kind of come back to my hometown and start from there. And it's been a crazy thing, but it's also been like a super big blessing in the fact that I moved here and I got to start my new business and I also have kind of found my niche when it comes to painting and that kind of thing. And so I guess that's kind of a a long story made sure of how it all kind of started for me. And then I came to my small hometown, got my very first job after college at the local newspaper. And 
liked it enough, but you know, I just, I felt like there was so much more that I could do that my potential wasn't being tapped into. And so, um, then I met this friend that had just started her second or third small business. And she was like, you can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. And so I was like, you know what, if I fail, I can go work at Walmart and make the same thing I'm making where I'm at now. And so I did, and I actually went, it's been going super well. Um, and I'm still surprised by it every single day. So I guess that's kind of long story short. That's how I got and, it. And you, and you didn't take any business classes in college. I didn't. I, um, I didn't take any business classes. I have been in a lot of leadership roles as I've gone through college and became an adult. You know, I was my very first job out of college. I became a catering manager and I had absolutely no experience in it, but my boss pretty much said like, I see a leadership, I see a leader in you. And so because of that, I'm going to give you this role. And, you know, I've been in charge of church camps of like 60 or 80 kids and have no experience in that. But, you know, it's, it's those kind of roles that have taught me along the way how, you know, not only to run a business, but also to um, work with the public and that kind of thing. And I, you know, like I said, my friend, her name's Taylor. You actually, y'all actually interviewed her sister, Katie Smith, at one point. And um, Taylor is one of my good friends now. And she, like I said, has had three different businesses, maybe even more. I might not have the right count, but she's been kind of like my business guru through the whole thing. So that has helped out a lot as well. So no, I never took any business courses, but I don't know if I feel like I've ever felt like, wow, I really should have done that when I was in college. So I love that perspective on it. It's amazing when someone like passes you the passes you like, I see a leader in you. And then you're just like, oh, I guess I am. Like, and then you just become one because someone sees it in you, right. like whether or not you felt confident. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing I like to tell people about my businesses, I grew up, my dad was that dad that was like, if you start, you're not gonna quit. And so if you start volleyball, you're gonna finish the season. If you start, I don't know, on this club, you're gonna finish. And that's kind of how I've thought about my business this whole time. You know, COVID hit and everybody's like, what are you gonna do? Your business is so new and how are you gonna make it? And my first thought was like, well, I'm not gonna quit, you know, because that's just dumb. Why would I do that? And so that's just how I've been raised. And I give a lot of credit to my dad for that. And so. Honestly, when COVID hit, I never even thought, oh, what am I going to do? I just thought, hey, we're going to be closed for a month. It's fine. You know, whatever. So, sure. Does Dilly Dally have like a brick and mortar spot or? Yes. So we are in Op, Alabama, which is if you don't live close to Alabama and you don't live in the surrounding states and don't have to go through Alabama to get to the beach, you have no idea where it is. It <laughs> is an hour from Destin, Florida, and it's. It's just a small town that I grew up in and it's like a drive around the bypass town. Nobody stops here, but we have a brick and mortar storefront. And the main reason we did that instead of taking a different route was to pretty much get our name out there. You know, it's a lot easier when you have a storefront to get your name out than if you're sitting at your house trying to accomplish something. Um, and so, yeah, it's been great. I think, I don't think I would change the way we did it. You know, if I were to go back, I was scared that I was going to regret having a brick and mortar, like at the very beginning, but I really don't think I do. I think it was probably the best step for us. So 
Yeah. Nice. Is it behind you? Like it's literal brick and mortar behind you? (laughs) (laughs) if you've never been in op downtown, it's just like a bunch of really old buildings. Some of them don't even have nice. electricity in them. And so our building, it, it yes, this is the back where I'm in the back room in the like office area, whereas the front it. looks a little bit different, but yeah, this is it. You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so nice. Thank you. Very stylish. I love your accent too. Do we I sound like we have accents? No, you don't. And I Amanda definitely has an accent. The first thing y'all are going to say is, wow, you're so country, because I get that all the time. So. All right. Well, I love it. Thank you. Thank but, you so much. But it's fun. <laughs> I love it. Um, when you were picking your major, did you know going into college that you wanted to do art? I know you said that you were crafty as a kid, but like, did you play with paint as a kid? Like, did how did like illustration? Like, how did you pick your majors? So the story my mom always likes to say or likes to tell people about what I went into was one day I was always the kid that never came out of her room. Like, I never wanted to go anywhere. I never wanted to do anything. I just I would be in my room. My mom would call me down for dinner. I'd come eat, and then I would be like, okay, I'm going back to my room. And she never <laughs> understood what I was doing. Well, one day she went into my room when i was at school and she pulled out this town this like 3d town that i'd made out of paper and crayons and glue and it was the as the size of my bed when she pulled it out and she's like this is what she's been doing um, you know like (laughs) how old are you i was like maybe in fifth grade you know and so anyways to answer your question about the major yes i did dabble a little bit in paint when I was in high school but never anything super serious and then I actually signed up for art every single year I was in school and never got put in there and then I remember my senior year I was like this is going to be the year because I'm a senior and they take seniors first and I didn't get in art I got put in horticulture and I remember my mom when I got home that day I gave her my schedule and she was like get in the car we're going to the high school and so mama yeah and so we went up there and you know she talked to the principal about it and they put me in homeroom art and the crazy thing is that you know you meet all these people all along the way and they're the people that stick out in your mind about how you've gotten to where you're at and this woman my teacher named miss bentley i remember this day very vividly but you know in high school you have art and they give you a project every day that you have to finish before you're done with that period whatever and I remember one day she was like, I don't really care what you do. It's Friday. There's a football game. Just do what you want. And I <laughs> found this old canvas and these old paints and started painting on it. And then Miss Bentley, I remember, came over to my desk and said, if you don't want to do any of my projects ever again and you want to paint every single day, please do it. And so that she was kind of the first person that I was like, oh, maybe I am good at this, you know. And so anyways, getting to college, I remember my dad's an engineer. And I do have a very math mind, which is weird because I am creative as well, but I I am very good at math. And so I remember telling my mom, I'm not going to do anything artistic. Like, I'm just going to go into engineering. Daddy does it. He's always wanted a kid to do it. And my older sister didn't do it. So, like, I'm the last one. And she and I feel like this is my mom's shining moment of her whole (laughs) life. But she said, you're not going to do engineering. You're going to do advertising for the first year. And if you hate it, you'll, you can change it, but you're not doing engineering first because she knew that I, that I needed to do something creative. And so honestly, I give all the, yeah, she walked in your fifth grade bedroom and saw a whole town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is sort of engineering too. Kind exactly. Of. It's kind of like, <laughs> 
the right. one thing put together with other things. But yeah, she and I never changed my major. I went in as an advertising art student and I never changed it. So, yep. I love that story. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's like I tell, it's my mom's story that she tells everybody. <laughs> I feel like it's her shining moment of her whole life that she was like, you need to do this. And I remember one time we went to this art festival in Tuscaloosa and we were talking to this artist and I was telling him that story and he just starts crying. And then my mom starts crying because he's crying and he's like, you are such a good mother to like, to tell her to go the artistic route when most people wouldn't. And I just remember sitting there like, why are y'all crying? What is that? <laughs> I don't even know this man, you know? And anyways, but yeah, she's a good mom. They usually, craftiest females don't far fall from the tree. That's yeah. how I always, I always feel that, that you can always trace it back to like crafty parents or like resourceful parents or like intuitive oh, yeah. parents. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so you go to college, you take the advertising, you realize that's what you want to do, you know, and then you get out and you you said that where you were in college was not your hometown, right? And then you decided to go back mm -hmm. to, to kind of open up what it is now, right? right. Like Dilly Dally. So now you have Dilly Dally mm -hmm. and how has it evolved from what you started to be to what it is now? Um. So it started very general. So when I was working at the newspaper, I was also doing contract jobs. And so I had, you know, like a little catering business that I was working with and I was doing menus and I would do, um, you know, logos for people. And what I found was that because we live in this small town, I would charge these people a certain amount for menus or whatever. And then I'd go to print them and they would cost an arm and a leg to print them. And then there was no profit in it. And the and the other thing is that you couldn't even get them printed enough you had to drive 30 to 45 minutes to get them printed and so i was like in my head i'm thinking why is nobody open something why is nobody because it's a need it's a very much a need and so you know i kind of presented the idea to my mom and my husband and um and you know at first of course my husband he's an it specialist so he was like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. You know, like, because in his head, he's like, okay, this is how much money and blah, blah, blah. But my mom was like, you got to try. You've got to do it. And my mom has owned her own business before, which is another reason why I felt like I could do it because she's done it. And um, so anyway, so it started off as a very generalized printing shop. We'll print whatever you need. We'll design whatever you need. We actually did painting classes to begin with. And, you know, when you start a business, it's kind of like you have these great ideas, but you don't really know if they're going to work. And so we did a couple of things like we tried to do graphic design tutoring and nobody was really interested. And we tried to do um, we did painting classes and they went well, but I personally didn't like doing them. Um, and so anyway, so it kind of has evolved from trying all these ideas to now we've kind of figured out where our niche is. And so what we're trying to do now is. Um, pretty much focus on like bridal stationery. So um, bridal invitations, bridal signage, anything like that, that would go with a wedding is kind of what we're trying to push because that's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy working with brides. I enjoy feeling as though um, these girls that have dreamed about all these things their whole life is finally happening. And I don't want their invitations to fall flat because that's a part of the dream, you know? And we don't have anybody like that around here. If you want to get wedding invitations made here and you want a custom experience, you've got to drive to Birmingham, which is like three and a half hours away. Um, 
And so, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at right now. I have brought in a business partner who does other things like T-shirts and all that. But when it comes to my side of the business, I am focused on wedding, wedding stuff and also just invitations in general is kind of where we're hoping to be in the next couple of years for that to be what we're focused on. And so how is, has this with weddings being canceled, like a, how has that affected you, if at all? Um, so, you know, it we were so new getting into the wedding industry when COVID hit that we only had two or three brides that we were working with anyways. And what ended up happening, which I hate that it happened this way because this is not the way we want to make our money, I guess you could say. But, um, you know, they had already printed theirs and then they had to reprint and it, I hate it, but also like, that's kind of how, what ended up happening. They had already printed, they already had their date picked and then they had to reprint. Um, so in that sense, I don't know if it affected us negatively. It's just, like I said, it's not really the way we want to make our money, even though that is how we did it, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of. Yeah. Like me and Kristen have had conversations of just like how the whole year's affected businesses and, and people having jobs or not, but like even my boyfriend Tom like does tents and so many events were canceled that he'd put tents up for, but then the flip side of it is he needed, like all the restaurants needed tents. Like he was still able to, so it's interesting when I hear about businesses like that, that on the flip side ended up still thriving and making money, but for a reason that we wish didn't exist. But Right, like, and it's, you know, it's crazy because a lot of people ask me the best we December 5th will be a year for us that we've been open and so but the best months we've ever had open is the months after COVID and the crazy thing about it is is number one after COVID everybody's been cooped up in their house because we're in small town Alabama we're not still under lockdown we've pretty much been out for a month now um but you know everybody wants to do something they've been cooped up in their house they need invitations they need this all the restaurants here are doing um, disposable menus. And so that's another way that we have pretty much picked up a lot of business from COVID is having to do restaurant menus because they're throwing them away and then they've got to have more. Um, and so honestly, COVID has had a very big impact on our business in a very positive way, um, which I have found very surprising. But, you know, it's been it's honestly been very good for our business. It's super interesting, and I think that we're going to wind up talking to a lot of different people about this. So it is our season of the unexpected. And I know I've personally said this so many times about my own business. And I love how you said it. was. This is not the way we want to be making our money. But, like caveat, Jeff Bezos has made like, oh my God, how much money off of all of us through this COVID stuff? And so, like, those of us, like, amazing women who have these small businesses, who have used COVID as a place to support people in need, to help people with the things they want, to provide services, we deserve money for those services. We are providing goods. We are providing services. We are giving people the things that they need. And does it suck that the world is, like, kind of sucky right now of course it does but we are not just allowed to make money when everything is sunshine and roses oh i know and you know the funny thing about you saying that which one of my friends sold masks on etsy and you know that was very 
Um, that was a big conflict at the very beginning because you shouldn't sell them, you know, you should donate them or whatever. But my thing about it is too, like deeper into it, I remember reading this big news article about how all these large cities are don't have any more sympathy cards because you know everybody's buying them to send to so and so that's sick or so and so that's sick and so i felt at that point that that was something very small that we could do that could help and so you know we put those on etsy and we didn't get that much flack from it but we did get some people saying well you know there's a shortage of these kind of cards and you're trying to sell them when you should be just giving them away and i'm like well it costs me money to make them so why how am i going to i can't give them away if it costs me money you know and so yeah and then if you are a good business you will take the money that you earn with your business and invest it in good things in your business you'll hire good people when it's time to hire good people you're gonna expand your business in ways that are good for you good for your circle good for the world and so you can only do that if you make money with your business right exactly and honestly in our small town i mean i grew up in op and i love op and i always have and um if if there's a town anywhere that needs like businesses that are bringing in you know work opportunities or even just like even this podcast, you know, you think about it, nobody's heard of Op. But then when this podcast airs, maybe some people will say, well, what is Op? Let me go Google Op and see what's there and, you know, whatever. And so our small towns need stuff like this, you know. And I think I think we forget about that a lot, about how you can, like, do things with money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if it's you're selling a greeting card for $3, $4, $5, you know, sure, a business makes money even if they make 50 cents on a card or a dollar on a card, all of that money adds up so that you can invest that money into things. It's not like businesses just go out and I'm like, oh yeah, I made 50 bucks today and now I'm gonna go blow it on like a party for myself. Right. And we know what good businesses are because we choose to buy things over and over from those businesses because we see the things that those businesses do. Right. And And if you think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Like, for example, with what you're saying, so my business partner does vinyl, where there's a business here that sells vinyl, but there's no other business here that needs vinyl. So pretty much they were selling their vinyl, I assume, to crafters, which is great. But we were talking about it today, how our business bringing him in for him to do these things have not only brought us business, but they brought this other business that's in town that needs the business just as much as we do you know, business, because we work only with them with our vinyl. So, you know, kind of just like reiterating your point that we're not spending our $50 that you give us to go and have a party. We're putting it into the community and, you know, reinvesting pretty much. Exactly. And right. And if people thought of it as fuel, though, like that's, I think, the shift is like if it's fuel to keep the engine running, then you think people would happily give fuel to something they want to have continue (laughs) right right yeah i think that's a really important conversation that we get to have um because a lot of times you know we talk about you know quote unquote supporting small businesses and supporting women-owned businesses and supporting black-owned businesses or you know any kind of businesses that are you know traditionally underserved and it's not just supporting people so that people can have lives it is you know, we people who own small businesses are people that need to have, quote unquote, the same types of lives that you would if you work out in any other job. 
But those small businesses are part of the economy the same way that, you know, Ford or the airlines are part of the economy in just smaller scale. And when you take out small businesses, things get screwy. And, you know, like you're talking about helping to to support other businesses in your local area, which is so important because the ties that we have to the other small businesses in our area can just multiply when we can support each other. Because when you're doing businesses, when you're doing business with businesses that are local, then you get to, it's so much easier because you don't have to worry about like crazy shipping costs. Like I love doing, like you were talking about earlier about how if brides don't want to, if brides want a experience, like a one-on-one paper experience, they can come to you instead of driving three and a half hours away. That's a full day. Like, you have to literally take an entire day off of whatever it is you want to do to go and do an errand. That's not a lot of people have one full day to commit to that one experience. I mean, especially if you're a bride. And, like, all the people you need to wrangle to, like, go to this experience. I know I do when I do my paper stuff. I love that I have a local print shop that I can go to because it means that I could just drive over there and pick up my, you know, whatever it is, like 50 pounds of paper and I don't have to pay for shipping. And then also I can go and just see the proofs instead of waiting three days or five days in the mail to get a proof. It just makes things more efficient. Right. And instead of talking about like, oh yeah, you know, we're just supporting these women because we love to support women. Like, yes, of course, we love to support women because it's, it's so much deeper. Right. It, it's like functionally yeah. important, like structurally, it's important to support small businesses because they are the foundation on which many a community exists. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like the small town that I live in, you know, back way before I was even born, we had everybody calls it the mill. And pretty much it was, you know, like a textile industry. And that's what our whole community thrived on. And, you know, when that shut down, whatever year it was, um, it's like everything went down. And that's just one small business that they were focused on. And so that, the fact that it closed and everything else just kind of went downhill from there just shows the impact of just one small business, much less 10, you know, that are thriving and doing well in a small environment. Absolutely. I love that we're talking about this. <laughs> this, like, we've talked about small business on the podcast before, obviously in business, but this, I feel like this is a very specific conversation we've never had. Well, I think it's becoming more and more important as we see larger businesses kind of, well, just becoming larger and larger. And mm-hmm. the way that the economy is going. And more and more people becoming, finding themselves in situations that are less and less stable for whatever reason, whether it's unemployment, whether it's like the, you know, you lost your job due to COVID and it's possibly coming back, not coming back. You just, like just literal uncertainty. And 
I'm going to harp on Jeff Bezos again, but there's, you know, there's a handful of billionaires that have just made so much money this year. And then just to see like, okay, but we have this huge record of unemployment and just so many people who's, you know, who work paycheck to paycheck, whose jobs are not coming back. And so as, you know, women who have created opportunities for themselves, which is incredibly difficult, you know, you have to have, there's a lot of, you know, luck, there's a lot of privilege, and there's a lot of hard work into building your own business. Not everyone can do it. But I think this is a time where a lot of women are going to need to look into doing this. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you are obviously a capable person. You are a smart person. You are a person who is creative and can make things. And so I think these are just important conversations to have about why, you know, if you decide to start a creative business, if you decide to start a small business, now my words are getting all jumbled, why your impact could be even more valuable. Well, and you know, one thing that I feel like when we opened, that was kind of the constant question that I got from a lot of people. And I honestly, back then, didn't really know how to answer it was, you know, why small businesses are dying? Like, why are you opening a small business right now? And honestly, now that I've been in business and I've seen how it works, um, my thing about it is, and just to like encourage women that do listen to this podcast who are creative, that have every you know, ability to open a business. My thought process on it is if you think about, you know, you think about the different um, generations and why, when the small businesses started dying, what generation was the generation that had the money, that had the jobs, that had the expendable income, um, baby boomers or gen, what is it, X that's right above millennials or whatever. And so now you think about who is in that position now? You've got millennials, you've got the generation that's right below us, the generation that's right above us, and those type of people, and this is what I'm learning more and more in business, is millennials and the surrounding generations around them don't want to go to the big box stores. They don't want to go to, um, you know, the franchise restaurants. They want to go to the mom and pop places, and it's almost like this big shift. Like, yes, small businesses were dying, but now you've got this whole new generation that's coming in that, I mean, one of my friends, anytime we go out of town, she almost just refuses to eat at a franchise business, like a restaurant, because she just much rather prefer eating at a mom and pop. And, you know, and I think that's kind of the, what's coming for small businesses. So I think any woman or man or whoever that listens to this podcast that is creative, that feels like they could do it, now is the time to do it, you know, because... I mean, there's no better time than right now to open a small business. In my, in my thought process, there's not. I agree. That's a good point. So, <clears throat> just choking on my own spit. Sorry, over here. <laughs> um, so, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you know, business. I love it. And how the whimsical self-portraits either play a role or don't play a role or like, because I feel like, too, like you just kind of touched upon millennials wanting that, like, discovery experience and kind of how they how we are, right? That I think that would be such a draw, too, to bring in people. But you did say before, like, it wasn't your favorite way the classes and teaching were. So I'm just curious about them in your scope of, like, dilly-dally. Okay. Um, I guess to 
kind of flow off of the whole podcast theme, which is the unexpected. Um, so when I got out of college, I had done so many paintings that were to be judged, to be graded, you know, whatever. And so when I got out of college, I was like, I'm done. I don't, I'm throwing away my easel. I don't want to do anything else. I'm done with painting. And it was this one lady that I actually met in my college town, but she was from around here and around off. And she was a painter. And I remember sitting there having a conversation with her at this art festival. And I was telling her, you know, I did painting in college and I'm just tired of it. And I haven't painted in two years. And, you know, I would love to show at this art festival because it's this huge art festival they have. And she was like, you can do that. If I can do it, you can do it. And she pretty much was like, go get your easel out of the trash can, pick up the brush and just do it. And she honestly is one of the people that, you know, when you ask me what unexpected happened that got you to where you're at, she's one of the people that immediately came into my mind. And, um, and so anyways, and so after I talked to her, you know, obviously I don't do the normal like flower vase with the lemons laying around the vase or whatever, the normal painting stuff, because that's not what I like. And so I guess the main issue with me when I first got out of college was I like to paint, but I don't really know what my niches you know we're talking a lot about niches today and so what's my niche when it comes to painting and quite frankly the way it kind of came about with me painting all these women is i love pattern and i love layout so i was on pinterest one random day and i see this beautiful picture of this woman and she's like kind of in a window but like looking to the side and you can see the sunlight like hitting her face in this certain way and I was just like, that is so beautiful, the way that sun is laying on her face and then her dress had a pattern on it and how it was laying because she was like sitting on a bed. And I just thought, I just had to paint this. Like, I don't know why, but I have to paint this. And so I did. And at first I didn't really do faces because I shied away from faces because I was like, I can't paint faces, you know, because if I do, they're going to like cartoons. And so, you know, for a long time I painted, you know, bodies or arms or legs or whatever. And then... I got to the point where I was like, well, what's so bad about it being cartoonish if I paint the face? And so I did it. And then I was like, hmm, I kind of like this, you know? And so that's kind of how that transition happened. Just like looking at beautiful photography or looking at stuff on Pinterest and seeing all these beautiful pictures of women that have this beautiful layout to their face or even to their background or whatever. Um, and so anyways, just to kind of transition into why I don't like teaching it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been asked a lot to teach it. And like, I think teachers, it's the same thing I tell people about mothers. Like you are, every woman is not born with that bone. Like every woman is not born with the mom bone. Every, every person is not born with the teacher bone. And I, I tell people all the time, like my sister, she's got three kids and she's like superwoman to me because I don't have the mom bone. Well, she's also a teacher and I also don't have the teacher bone. <laughs> she got it. She's the, she's got the whole bone and I don't have any. <laughs> um, and so it's not that I feel like I am bad at teaching it because I've had a lot of classes that I've taught how to do them. And they, there are so many of them that turn out super well, but I think my struggle with it is that um, <laughs> this is going to sound so bad, but I'm one of those that I'm like, stop drawing really small, just put a big old swab of paint on it and get done with it, you know? And so <laughs> sometimes I don't feel like I come across the way that I should when I'm teaching. And so I worry about that. And then I'm anxious about that the whole time to where I don't feel like I'm teaching well. And so 
that's kind of why I don't like doing it. I don't think that it's because I don't do it well. It's just, I don't, I'm one of those people that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I don't feel like I can do that to the best of my ability. You know, like I'll, I'll do it. And like you said with Lauren, if she ever asked me to teach again, I would do it in a heartbeat, but it's not something that I want to do every third Tuesday of the month and have to do it every single month. It's just, you know, and it's also the thing of like, you want it to be special when you do teach it. You don't want people to be like, oh, well, if I can't make it this time, I'll just come next time. You know, like maybe you only teach it once a year. And if you don't come that one, then you don't get the habit. And so it's kind of a mix of both the fact that I don't have the teaching bone and also that I want it to be more of a luxury when you get to come, you know, so. I have so much I want to unpack. Do you want to go first, Kristen? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I really... I understand that completely because I, I'm a total introvert. I love teaching online. I can get online. I can do Zoom teachings all the time. I can schedule three or four Zooms a day. No problem now. Fantastic. But like, also after like four hours of Zoom though, like don't even come near me or I will like, like seriously. I like, we just won't, we'll not talk about it. But, like, live teaching, I'll do, like, once or twice a year. And, like, that's it. Because, same, it has to be very special. And I need it to be done, like, just so. Like, it. And if it's not, then I'm going to be anxious and, like, freak out. Because I'm going to freak out about it beforehand for, like, a set period of time. And so if it's, like, too recurring... Then I'm just going to be anxious about, like, if we had it every week, and then I was anxious about it three days before, then I'd literally be anxious about this half of my entire life. And that's, like, that's, that's unacceptable. Yeah. So, so like, doing it once a year and, make, like, and making it really special, like, just that, like, scarcity – and again, I'm not someone who's like into fake scarcity for the sake of making fake scarcity because I think that's BS. But some things are special. And getting to spend time with people in person when you know how like actually physically difficult it is for people to teach in person. Like some people take that very seriously. Like that that's something that I would take very seriously like if I heard, "Oh, it's really hard for Andy to teach classes in public or like in person then I would be like okay I'm going to take this very seriously if I got to teach you know sit in public and take a class and I think there's like a seriousness to when like you take yourself seriously like that as an artist and as a mentor and as a teacher and I think your students take that seriously and I think when you get those kind of students, no matter what kind of art they create, sitting there and being part of that process is so much more inherently valuable because of the conditions you've put around it. Right. And, you know, the thing about it is, is a lot of people, when I tell them that, is that they don't get it because number one, I'm not a, I'm not an introvert in any form of the word. I mean, I will have conversation with anybody that walks by and quite frankly, I can do public speaking with the best of them because I had to do it all the time in college and it's not even a thing to me. 
Um, so it's not even really like the being in public part of it because that doesn't bother me at all. It's more of the teaching part. Teaching is an art in itself. And if you don't know how to do it, you know, you just, there's no way to do it well if you just don't know how to do it. And so I just don't think that I'm good at that art and that's fine. You know, everybody has different passions for a different reason and mine is not teaching. And that's just, I mean, that's okay. You know, I have passions that my sister doesn't have who she likes to teach and that's awesome, but I can't do it, you know? So, um, yeah. Littered in your whole story for me was like that, like this, I, I just love the celebration of the self-awareness. Like I just, I, I feel like as craftiest females, like that's so important. And like even what you said about the mom bone and the teacher bone and almost like society's expectation for women to have and then to self-proclaim, I don't have. And then like be okay and be fine and be like thriving in your own self-awareness. So like, I just feel like kudos and Anytime we can celebrate that here. I'm so all about it. And then that makes me think like, like, um, so you use the word, we've been talking like niche a lot. And so for like, for what I'm hearing is you're like to define your niche as something that you'll be known for, you love to do that aligns with like who you are as a person slash something you'd want to do over and over again. So to, to see like those whimsical portraits and know like if you truly wanted that could be your niche because I feel feel like people would respond to it. I just love your perspective and stance on it that like, nope, that's not my niche. Like I can do that and it'll be special. But like that is so telling to all our listeners who want to start a business to like you declare it and you get to decide it. Well, and, like, the funny thing too is like when you do declare a niche, um, I found myself when I kind of declared that niche with, you know, the whimsical portraits, I had it for about a year and then it got, it kind of got to the point where I was like, this is so easy. I could do it in my sleep. So why am I still doing this? You know, why, why am I still painting these women, even though I love them and they're beautiful, but I have no passion behind it. And so now I've kind of transitioned into, I'm calling them hippie towns. And so there's like these paintings of these really like weird buildings and all this kind of stuff that some of them have people, some of them don't. But I remember thinking when I first painted the first one, I was like, I'm just going to paint one just because I need to get it out of my system and I'm not going to paint anymore. And then I started another one and I was like, well, why am I painting? Like, because I was worried that there was going to be people that said, well, you're, you've been doing these whimsical portraits and they're great and we love them and you've got so much, you know, a lot of people commenting on them, why are you changing? And so I think the other thing too is like, yes, you can find your niche, but you don't have to feel like you're muddy down into it so that you can't ever get out because, I mean, I didn't stay in my niche and, you know, you might not hit the same people that you hit with, like I said, my whimsical portraits. Some people that like those don't like my hippie towns and it's fine, but like, you've got to do what's best for you. And at that point I was getting kind of bogged down in the whimsical portraits. And so I had to change and that's okay too. You know, it's okay. Yeah. I kind of think of that as like when music artists evolve and people want their old music and you're like, no, they're not the same person. They're doing new music. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Same. Kristen, do you want to do the unexpected and the currently, and then we'll save social media for after chatter i want to ask her about college and after chatter oh okay 
Um, but yes, we can also do social media and after chatter. Yeah. Um, yes. Can you ask the question again? I mean, I can yes. ask. I can also ask it, but can you? Because you have it up, I think. Got it. Okay, so this season's title is the season of the unexpected. And so we want to know how something unexpected either taught you a lesson or turned into a blessing. So there's usually kind of the same thing, but like just something unexpected that came out of nowhere that ended up sending you in the right. I mean, you talked about a lot of it already. Yeah, um, I, we've had a lot of unexpected and I feel like our main unexpected when it comes to business has been in people. You know, I saw the sheet where, you know, you asked me that question and just without even thinking of it, I started writing names and I was like, why am I writing people's names? And then I thought, <laughs> because that's where my unexpected has come from. Um, and so, you know, besides the one we've talked about, like the COVID unexpected and then, you know, Amy, who is the, the painter that I talked about earlier, the unexpected, I guess the biggest unexpected would probably be my friend that I told you about. Um, her name's Taylor and she's Katie's sister, like we talked about earlier, but about uh, probably this time last year, maybe it was in the summer, my, the small town I'm living in, they started doing these things called, called downtown get downs, which it's like this big festival thing they had in downtown where they blocked up all the streets and they had music artists and all that. Well, I met her at one of those and she had just randomly moved here from Seattle because she was starting a business here and she just like bought this house on Zillow and up and moved and, you know, never saw it in person and whatever. And so I met her that night and never would I ever have thought that when I met her and we became friends, I never would have thought how much impact she would have on my life since I met her because she was the one that convinced me to start a business. She's the one that, you know, when I have a question about what is this thing I got in the mail, you know, she's the one that says, well, this is what it is and this is what you need to do with it. And um, such a big blessing when it comes to our business is her because she's been here since the beginning and she's still, I mean, she doesn't have to be as involved now as she was before because I'm kind of learning how to do it myself, but Anytime I have a question for her or anytime I'm like, you know, what do you think about this? Or what if I try this for the business? She's always so, first of all, nice about it. You know, like she doesn't have to give me her thoughts and opinions, but she does. But she's also, um, you know, very forthcoming. You know, she'll say, well, I did this in my business and it was a mistake. So you don't need to do that, you know, or whatever. And so... I guess my friendship with her is probably one of the most unexpected things because she's been such, she's played such a vital role in my business that I honestly don't know if I would still be open if I didn't have her, which is crazy because I've only known her a year and she and I have become so close within a year. Um, but yeah, I guess the biggest unexpected things are the people that have been here along the way that have taken a chance, I guess you can say. I mean, for example, downtown off there's not a lot of buildings that are available because a lot of people own them they use them for storage or they use they, they don't have electricity and I remember there was this guy that my mom is good friends with and his wife and I'd heard that he wanted to invest in commercial property and um I'd been looking and I didn't really want to rent because we didn't have the money to do it at that point I mean we didn't want to buy and so we wanted to rent and nobody wanted to rent they just wanted to sell and I remember going up to him saying listen there's this building downtown and I know you want to invest in commercial property and I want to rent commercial property. So what if you buy it and I rent it? And he was like, 
sold, I'll call them tomorrow. And so like, it's just all those little unexpected things that honestly, if I think about all of them together, I get super overwhelmed about it because that you just don't expect somebody to go buy a building for you so you can rent from them, you know? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of very big unexpected things that have happened throughout our business and all that, that have kind of led up to where we're at right now. I love all of that. Also, I'm really glad to hear more about Taylor because I've been friends with Katie for like, <laughs> mm, like eight years now. Yeah. So that's like so much fun to hear because also Katie is the most introverted person I've ever come across in my entire... <laughs> For you to say that. <laughs> I had to, I had to like beg her to come on the podcast. I had to tell her it would, it's going to be totally okay. And yeah. to hear that her, I mean, I've always heard like awesome things and Katie obviously loves her. Um, but to hear that she is just like absolutely amazing from another source is just so cool. It's funny that you, you say that because just a small, short, funny story about when I first met Katie. So I had met Taylor and, um, you know, we had become friends and just like, you know, the very surface level friendship that you have at the very beginning. And I remember I went to the house that she bought that is now a wedding venue. And um, I went on the tour and all of Katie's paintings were hanging in there. And I went into the living room and I didn't know this, but it was Taylor's mom and dad and sister Katie sitting in the living room with me. And I had no idea that that's who that was. And I said, I was talking to her mom and I said, do you know who this Katie girl is? Because I've never heard from her. I've never heard about her, but her art is amazing. And Katie's over there in the corner and she's like, that's mine. You know, like, that's me. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to be friends. I don't know if you know this, but we're going to. And she, and then her mom's like, well, she's kind of an introvert. And I was like, no, we're going to. <laughs> So, anyways. But on all, like, I loved how you attached the unexpected question to people and relationships. And we, one of our first episodes in our first seasons was, it's hard to make adult friends. And, like, I think that's kind of the unexpected part of it is, like, it's just hard. So, like, when it, it happens is. or, like, good relationships happen, like, actual ones. Like, not, even though I'm not discounting internet friends, but, like, I feel like that happens more readily because we're there and, like, there's a plethora of people but like in real life when you make a great connection and great things happen it's like wow <laughs> it's like just so unexpected yeah for sure so i love that that was your answer <laughs> that makes me so happy yeah all right so this episode has been great but we're going to conclude it now with um our currently round which comes um off of Kristen's currently car that you can get at areyoukristen.com slash currently. Right? It's true. Yeah. So we're just going to roll through it on the podcast. Are you ready, Andy? Yes. Cool. What are you currently... Is Andy short for something? Yes. Andy is short for Andrea. Cool. Yeah. Just wondering. Uh, what are you currently watching? Um, currently, I just started this TV show on Netflix called In the Dark. And it is phenomenal. If you like crime stuff, it is. I do. Yeah, you need to watch it. It's about <laughs> this blind girl that one of her friends who is a drug dealer dies and he's been killed and the police won't figure it out because he's a drug dealer. So they don't really care. And so it's this whole story about how she figures out who killed him. And it's just, it's one of those that you're like, oh, y'all were so typical. Like, I know that's who it is. And then you get to the end, you're like, what? Is that really? You're kidding me, you know, and so it's phenomenal. You should watch it. 
Okay, is it only one season? Um, I think there's two out, and so I'm going through two. So I don't know. There might be three. I haven't looked. I'm just. I thought there was only one, and then I got past one, and I was like, "Oh wait, there's another episode. Cool." So, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's only two though. And then I'm not watching it now, but it's my absolute favorite TV show. So I just want to give it a little shout out. Grace and Frankie is the best TV show that's ever existed, and you can't change <laughs> my mind. I've heard good things. Yes, it is phenomenal. They're all so good. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. June. What is her last name? The woman that plays Brianna is my favorite actor that has ever existed. <laughs> I, I love television. <laughs> television makes me so happy. I love it. Two, two good ones. Now I want to check that one out. So yes. I'm two episodes away from finishing Sopranos, Kristen. Uh-huh. Oh. Okay. Anyway, what are you currently reading? Um, I'm currently reading this book called, it's called The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out of the Window and Disappeared. Okay. And, Another mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> crime stuff. So I normally, podcasts and all that are normally crime stuff, but I just started it and I don't really want to talk about it because it, it's fine, but my favorite book ever is um Britt Marie was here which is by Frederick Backman and he also wrote if you've heard of the book called The Man Called Ove or My Grandmother Told Me to Tell You She's Sorry the, any of those books he wrote all of those um but Britt Marie was here is one of his like least known ones and any feminist out there that want to read a book that it's like not feminist and then you're like oh I love females you know you need to read that book because it is phenomenal. My favorite book for my whole life was To Kill a Mockingbird. And then I read that book last year and I was like, sorry. It's new favorite. A new favorite. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good suggestion. What are you currently listening to? Um, so, you know, I'm not like a crazy music person. Like I'll listen to the radio. But so I kind of took this into a podcast situation. And so I'm currently listening to Crime Junkies which I know is not super new, but I just never heard of it. And then one of my friends is like, oh, you need to listen to this. And so that's what I'm listening to right now. I don't, I'm still kind of, I like it, but I don't 100% know if it's what I, you know, it's not my normal. So I'm still trying to like fill it out a little bit. So nice. totally. What are you currently making? Um, so like I talked about earlier, the hippie towns, I'm working a lot on those. And then I also, um, I do, so I've listened to y'all's podcast about what is it called? Memory, um, memory journals or something like that. Memory planning. Yeah. Memory planning. And so I've, I've listened about that, but the funny thing when I listen to y'all's podcast is I feel like I do a lot of, I don't do a lot of little stuff. I do a lot of big stuff. So when I craft, I guess you could say I do a lot of woodwork or I do um, that kind of thing. And so I'm not currently working on anything, but I just finished building myself like a greenhouse art studio in our backyard. Um, Yeah. So me and my husband just finished that. And so it's, we, we live in this super cute little like 60 style ranch house that I love. But you know, when you buy one of those houses, there's not a lot of room. And so there wasn't really anywhere for me to create. And so one day my husband was like, we're just gonna build you one. And so we did, and we finished it in like three or four months and it's it's been wow. great. Yeah. That's so He's awesome. A keeper. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. What are you currently feeling? 
Um, you know, it's funny that that question, that y'all asked that question because I went to dinner with one of my friends last night and we were talking about, um, you know, like life and where we're at and all that. And I told her, I said, you know, the crazy thing is that I feel like right now I'm the happiest I've been in a very long time. And because, you know, like I love what I do as a job and I love the man that I'm married to and I love where I live and I love you know, like the people that are involved in my life right now. And I was just like, I know this sounds really corny, but I just feel really happy, you know? <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Best what answer. Are you what are you currently planning? Um, so my husband and I are going on vacation the last weekend in October. Our like happy place, you could call it, is Greenville, South Carolina. And so we normally go in May and then obviously that didn't happen this year. And so my husband finally was like, I just have to get out of here. I've got, we've got to go to Greenville. I'm just like itching to go to Greenville. And so we're taking a trip up there. And then from there, we're also going to Hendersonville, North Carolina, which is where some of my family live. And so that's kind of what we're planning right now. I'm super excited because, you know, as a small business owner, you don't get to go on a whole lot of vacations. So I can't wait for that. I have heard about um, I've heard amazing things about the food. In Greenville? Yeah. Yeah, it is fun. The whole, like, you know, I've been an artist my whole life, and I've always lived in a small town, and, like, I've never lived in a town that could be considered an art town and, like, filled with culture, and you go to Greenville, and you go in their downtown area, or you go wherever, and it's like it just hits you in the face, and that's what I love so much about it. I remember they had this studio walk where you can just walk down downtown and there's all these artist studios. And I got to meet like all these different artists in one day. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced. And I'm 26 years old and I've never got to do this. Yeah. yeah I've, I, it looks uh, like a, a very amazing place. It is. Um, yeah. One of the things that I really like to nerd out about is, is food and some of like the very like here are people doing very interesting and weird things with food and there's like several of them that are like right there and i'm like what's going on down there that nobody's telling me about and i'm like hey guess i'm gonna need to go down there it's funny that you're like that with food my mom the funny story i like to say about my mom is that um she always tells people she's like well andy and her husband they, they're very cultured when they come to their food. Like, they like very weird things. And people are always like, what, are, what, what do they like? And she's always says, they really like avocados. And I'm always <laughs> like, okay, well, that does not make me weird. Just because you yeah. don't like them does not make me weird. Because she thinks that is just wild that I like avocados. So, yeah. I don't like avocados. Has she met our generation? <laughs> Have you met the millennials yet? Yeah. <laughs> we like oh. avocados and we like them in mom and pop shops. Yeah, we sure do. All it's, true. it's true. It's actually one of the ways that I've saved on my budget is just by like not liking avocados. I don't no, ever have don't to like them. No, I don't. Oh, it's a texture thing. I hear you. You're the first person I've ever met in my life that said that. I did have a bad one not that long ago, and we didn't realize it was bad. And so I've kind of like stayed off them for a little while, but we've like gradually gone back to where we like avocados. So. <laughs> I have a very short food list of things that I absolutely dislike. I have a longer food list of things that I can't eat because of headaches. But the the list of foods that I absolutely abhor and will not stand for, it's very short. Is avocados on that list? No. 
Oh. I mean, I can, I, I just, <laughs> I, I just don't love that. Yeah, I just don't like love them. No, my I absolute see. cannot stand food list is peanut butter and bananas. Oh, well, I'm allergic to bananas, but peanut butter, <laughs> I cannot get behind that. Sorry. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I hate peanut butter so much that is, if it is an ingredient in anything, I can't, like, it's and so. You've said this before, yeah, but I'm no, it is so, like, again. it's so like ingrained in my brain that like you can't even hide peanut butter from me and things like if i if i've accidentally eaten a peanut butter cookie i will like freak out and like you're not allergic no oh just and it's not it's not other nuts i have no problem with other it's literally just peanuts i and i don't like like so you do not partake in like candy corn and peanuts at halloween which is like a delicacy no (laughs) oh my god i I like peanut butter but i'm good with candy corn alvis yeah you know, I, I just, it's, pe- and like, wow. I, and I don't know why, I don't know what it, I just, okay. I can't, I can't with, and so like. Cheers for self-awareness. I, <laughs> and, but, but like, I also, same thing with bananas, but I understand them. I like, I understand <laughs> why people I like peanut butters at, sure. peanut, and, but I just, I like, my brain is just like, no, this is poison. You're going to die. <laughs> make this go away now i love that you're like i respect them but i can't get behind (laughs) and i i am i i understand that this is totally like a flaw in my like self but it is what it is like that's just me um but there's like a lot yeah there's a lot of food that i don't like like but i'll just make it for other people because I like making food for other people. And so you're talking to the person that, like, when I have a really bad day, I just go eat a spoonful of peanut butter and it's fine. <laughs> you know? When that's, I have a good that's day, when my I have partner, a bad Jeff. day, when I'm yeah, dieting, no, that's, when I'm yeah, not no. dieting. That's how you will die one day if somebody <laughs> gives you a spoonful of peanut butter. Oh, no, no, don't worry. We've There's been, like, literal, like, temper tantrums had in this house over, like, spoons <laughs> that have had, like, little bits of peanut butter left out on the counter. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. So... Lastly, Andy, what are you currently loving? So um, <clears throat> my husband and I just recently, I don't know if y'all have watched the series on Netflix with Zac Efron in it about like where he travels the world and tries all this food and blah, blah, blah. But he did this one episode on the Blue Zones, which really, really resonated with us because we, for the past like half a year or so, we've been doing keto because my husband's a type 1 diabetic. And, you know, like I, when I, we started it, I didn't really like, you know, meat that much or whatever. And so we watched that episode on Blue Zones and they talked about all these centurions that um, pretty much live to be 100 or 110. And it's because they don't eat meat. And, you know, well, they eat very limited amounts of meat. And they talked about like the health benefits of not eating meat because meat can cause cancer and all that kind of stuff. So after we watched that, we've changed to plant-based, which I don't know if my husband's 100% loving, but I'm loving it. So I just feel so much, we've only been doing it for a couple of weeks, but I just feel so much more energized and um, like my body doesn't hurt the certain ways that it did when we were eating like meat and cheese all the time. And so um i'm loving it like i said my husband really isn't but i am <laughs> and i'm the one that cooks so <laughs> take it or leave it pal exactly <laughs> now go build my greenhouse <laughs> right i love the greenhouse it's so exciting yeah i love it this interview was so fun i know i had the best time this has been awesome 
yeah, I really want to ask you about college in okay. after chatter. I'm so excited. Um, okay. We are going to be back next week with another amazing episode. If you want to come and chat with us about this episode, you guys can head over to the awesomeladiesproject.com slash craftiestfemale with our community and all that great stuff that we have going on. Otherwise, um, we hope that you have an amazing week and make amazing things and do all that great crafty-ass female stuff. We will catch you next week and have an awesome rest of your Wednesday, guys. Lots of love, and we'll catch you later. Bye, guys.